Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. is the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. Know the difference. It's team, technology, trust. Now, here's your host, Danny Clayton. Here we go. It is the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY, Thursday, July 11th, our first show of July because we weren't on last week. Yeah, that's right. Happy Fourth of July to everybody. Yeah, yeah. I'm Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here and Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. Hey, guys, you know, um, kind of a really interesting week already, you know, when you start thinking about what's been going on in the markets, Derek. Some big numbers when you start thinking about psychology of the investor and milestone numbers. We touched 27,000 on the Dow. First time ever, 27,000. Can you imagine back when you and I were in school if the Dow, I think it was around the early 1980s, the, Dow's, the Dow hit 1,000. Remember that? That's right. It was a big day. Up in, it, in addition to the Dow hitting a milestone number, the S&P for the first time ever traded above 3,000 as well, up almost 340% when you include dividends from the March 2009 low. So you start thinking about investors, and you take a look back 10 or 11 years for people here in the Valley, and, and those were dark days when the when the banking crisis was going on, and the derivatives were out there, collateralized mortgage obligations, and all the derivatives that people had gotten themselves invested in that without knowing that they were invested in these products. And what happened to the stock markets after that, of course? We had the big drop in 2008, all the way until March of 2009, and we always kept saying to people, stick with your plan. And that's kind of what you're getting to, is people have been rewarded for people who stuck with their plan and were conservative, looked at risk-adjusted returns to their portfolio, and were well-balanced in their portfolio over the last couple of 10 years. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite adages regarding that is, fear is temporary, but greed is permanent. And, you know, in 2009, fear was palpable. In fact, fear was fairly palpable on Christmas Eve of of last year, too, when we were reacting to negative headlines on trade, uh, concerns about an earnings recession the like. But basically, right now we have a tug of war between lower rates, a very accommodative Fed, as the Chairman Powell demonstrated yesterday, and, and slowing global growth. And typically, lower interest rates prevail. When you start thinking, Derek, even back, you know, short-term December, we had a lot of clients that, that rang our phones and, you know, well-heeled clients, intelligent people who said, I want to go to cash. And we talked those people out of that for the most part. And again, those people that stuck with it who said this is not the end of what has been a very long bull market. And there are things in the fundamentals that continue to support the idea that stocks will move further. Those people have, again, been rewarded. Yeah, and this expansion, as we've talked many times, has been more muted than, than what you see typically. And as a result of that, many of the excesses that often end a bull market aren't, aren't there. You know, we don't really see high inflation. We don't see strong wage growth. And we see good wage growth, but sort of a Goldilocks wage growth, if you will, Mark. And, and this recovery has just been muted. It's the longest recovery now in history. It's 121 months long. But just because it's long doesn't mean it's, it's excessive, because it really isn't the best recovery we've seen in, over the course of time. Let's dig into that a little bit, because I think it's important for people to get that, because 
bull markets don't die of old age. They die because something happens. There's usually a Fed policy mistake that makes a bull market turn and leads to a recession in the market. We don't see that happening. When you start thinking about the shape of the recovery from 2008 until now, you're looking at a very muted trajectory. So a slow upwards slope of that growth curve. When you start looking at some re, uh, markets when there was a recovery, it was very V-shaped. You bounced off the bottom and then there was an extreme upward. We're not seeing that, which is supportive of the fundamentals of the market going forward over a longer period of time. And part of that, I think, is you know the, what really led the market down in 2008, 2009 was, was weakness in the housing market, the leverage associated with mortgages and the like. And the housing market really hasn't recovered to the degree it typically does. You've got lots of millennials living at home. Uh, you've got student loan debt that's perhaps keeping them from, from buying a first-time home. And the, ho- the home building market really leads to all sorts of other things. It leads to landscaping. It leads to furniture sales. It leads to appliance sales and the like, which can get the economy going at a fairly fast clip. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, WHBY. We're at 2801 East Enterprise Avenue. Our number at 903-9800, but we invite you to check us out online. We've got everything there that you need to know about us at AnnexWealth.com. So, Derek, you mentioned before Chairman Jay Powell and the Fed, and obviously he was speaking with the Banking Committee this week to the Senate Banking Committee. And Wednesday and today, earlier today, there were a lot of comments that came out. And I think that it's important, again, for listeners to start thinking about what the Fed might do at the July FOMC meeting, maybe at the September-October meeting, and maybe December-January. What are we looking at in terms of Fed policy going forward right now? What are the chances of a Fed rate cut in July? Well, currently, right now, the the Fed fund futures market is thinking there's a 100% probability of a rate cut in July, and actually a 26% chance of a 50 basis point cut in July, up from 3% before Powell spoke. So, clearly, a, a one cut, one one twenty-five basis point rate cut is baked in the cake. Whether it's fifty basis points or not, um, the market doesn't seem to think that's the case. But it, but certainly the likelihood of that has increased in recent weeks. Little uptick in CPI today, and, and inflation is one of the factors that the Fed looks at. If we start to see inflation coming up, could that change the Fed policy at the July meeting? That's right, Mark. CPI increased by uh, it's the most it has in 18 months, but that's not the measure the Fed looks at. They look at a different measure, which is tra- tracking about 1.5% with a target of 2 So while inflation certainly has started to in- improve a little bit or increase a little bit, uh, it's not at the level that would concern the Fed, in my opinion. The other is thing there, is, I'm sorry, can I just ask a rookie question? What's the upside of inflation? What's the downside of inflation? Well, if you get too much inflation, you know, you, you're, you're getting prices that are start running away on you, then the Fed wants to take money out of the economy, take money from the consumers. So they raise rates, borrowing rates, mortgage rates, credit card rates and stuff, and and those types of things because they're trying to take money out of the economy. You can get runaway inflation. So the, the Fed has a dual mandate, employment, full employment, and controlling prices. And controlling prices is controlling inflation. So Derek, when you start thinking about inflation, I start thinking about jobs, versus wage inflation. And I think those are really big factors, too. We had a really good jobs number again, but wage inflation just hasn't been there. To Danny's point, we're not putting too much money into the consumer's pocket. And in the United States, when 70% of the economy is GDP or, or consumer spending is a part of GDP, when we're not having wage inflation, that allows the Fed to be a little more patient. 
That's absolutely right. Uh, wage growth in the last most recent report was 3.1%. Historically, the Fed doesn't get concerned until they see uh, wage growth north of 4 um, So the labor market remains supportive. In fact, Mark, I don't know, Delta, Delta Airlines reported this morning before uh, the opening. It really had a fabulous quarter. Their, their ticket prices were up. Their load factor was at a record level of 89%. Uh, they raised guidance. They increased their dividend 15%. And when a company like Delta is doing that well, that just gives you a sign that the consumer is in pretty strong shape. I think it helped that they weren't flying the 737 MAX. Well, that was, that's true, that was too. a major factor, right? So they didn't have to take those out of service. They could keep their routes more full. Yeah, for sure. But to Derek's point, when people are flying places and going on vacations, that means you know they're pretty flush and people feel pretty good about themselves. And, and when that's happening, then that's a pretty good sign that the economy continues to go forward. Speaking of sectors, though, Derek, when the other thing that we saw today was Something came from the White House, which was on drug rebates. Right. The Trump administration dropped their plan to curb drug rebates. Essentially, what that means is pharmaceutical benefit managers like United Healthcare and Anthem, they negotiate discounts with major drug uh, manufacturers. And what the Trump administration had hoped to do was force those companies to pass those savings along to consumers. But apparently, for whatever reason, I fully don't understand the the mechanisms in the healthcare transmission system. Uh, They decide to shelve that temporarily. Temporarily and and go in another in another direction, which I think we're going to find out about in the coming days. But that was obviously very good news for United Healthcare, which is major Dow stock, um, Anthem, and other uh, companies like uh, CVS, for example. So we have some of those companies in our equity income portfolio. We've been tactically overweight in healthcare for a number of years for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is the demographic. Look around the valley here; people are getting older. We know in the United States about 10,000 people retire every day. They're users of the healthcare system. Those companies have done very well. We've been rewarded for being overweight in the healthcare sector for some time. It's clearly a growth sector. It's it, you've got um, much less economic sensitivity in healthcare spending than you do in other areas of the economy. So, frankly, when we look at our tactical exposures, we've got some aggressive tactical exposures in technology and consumer discretionary. You know, leveraging the strong consumer as I mentioned earlier, but healthcare sort of is a def- more defensive position. And the valuation has gotten really attractive about six to eight weeks ago when people were concerned that Bernie Sanders was going to run away with it and and impose Medicare for all. One more minute on this segment, Derek, if we can just focus on China just a little bit and talk about what's going on with the U.S. trade dispute between the U.S. and China. The focus this week has really been on on Chairman Powell, but President Trump actually today tweeted that China's letting us down. They right. supposedly were going to run out and buy a lot of soybeans right, right after the G20 meeting. They have not done that. They've also changed some of the key players on their negotiating team. So it's beginning to look more and more like the Chinese are going to wait this out into the 2020 election. So that's something people haven't really talked about this week, but I think we're going to hear more about it next week when major technology companies report because they've got a lot of exposure to China. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. Mark Oswald also riding along with us. Still to come on the show, 401ks. The article, Save to Invest, Not Just to Save. Tom Parks is going to break that down. Also, a little bit later on, if you're involved in the WRS, the Wisconsin Retirement System, join us for this segment with Jason Guineer. He is a law enforcement professional, also a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, talking about the pension crisis around the country. How does Wisconsin's plan stack up? That's a good segment, and that's coming up. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY.
Know the difference. Team. Technology. Trust. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. Here's Danny Clayton. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust with Annex Wealth Management. Another team segment. Tom Parks is back, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Always a pleasure to be here. For many, a 401k can comprise the majority of somebody's retirement savings. You, you've heard the term 401k millionaire. It's legit. I've met a bunch of them, as a matter of fact. My favorite people. You and I saw the same article in USA Today, and the headline was, here's a lesson for 401k investors. Don't just save, save to create wealth. So I read it, you read it. The writer shares the story of her grandmother who worked into her 70s. She did well, but she didn't achieve what she could have. This is what the author said, because she was a saver instead of an investor. She might have saved, but she didn't take savings and invest them. And there's the larger lesson. This is what a 401k can do. And even more important for companies to provide a solid 401k plan for employees. Why? Because strong benefits attract and retain employees, right? I love this part of the article where we're talking about this because they're saying, you know, my grandmother worked hard, she saved and all that, but she didn't invest. And so when you look at a 401k in particular, over the span of your career, once you end up in retirement, a very large percentage of the balance that you have is earnings on what you put into the plan. So saving money is the number one. It's the most important thing. Obviously, if you're not saving any money in the plan, then none of this really matters. But where you go about investing that money over the long term is critical because it's those earnings that are really going to provide a substantial benefit for you come retirement. And when you retire, your 401k should be like an old friend. You've been through a lot together, right? Yeah. And you should pay attention to it. So we tell people there's a balance. You want to be careful not to be day trading and looking at it every day because it's not something, you know, it is a long-term investment, but that doesn't mean that you should forget about it and never look at it. We do recommend at least once a year, go in there, check it out, make sure that you have yourself allocated the way you want. If it's a good 401k plan, you know, people are monitoring the investments. Maybe there have been some investment changes during the year. Uh, If that affects your portfolio, maybe there's some new things that weren't there that you might want to take advantage of. Whatever it is, at least take a little bit of time once a year, go in there, check it out, make sure that things are going the way you want them to. I don't always do things right, but I think I did it right with my 401k. So I've been here a year and a half. One of the first things I did was I rolled my previous 401k, and really it's 401ks, into our plan here, which, by the way, Tom, is quite good. So I don't look at it often, but I did the other day, and it looked pretty good because the market has been really good. If I had looked at the fourth quarter, I would not have been so thrilled. Right. So it's the other part of the article they discuss. They use Starbucks as an example, and obviously we do not recommend putting your 401k all in one stock, but the 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 idea, the example that they gave was really good because they were saying, had you bought Starbucks before the crash, but held on to it since then, it would have been very tempting to get rid of it during the crash because it went down very precipitously. But since then, it has not only bounced back, it's gone way beyond. And I think that's the experience a lot of people had with their 401ks, the mutual funds, the allocation that they had. Yes, back in 2007, 2008, 2009, very perilous time. A lot of people freaked out and panicked. The people who sold are regretting that decision, that people who weathered through it. And it's people say at that time when those things are happening, well, that's easy for you to say, you know, you haven't seen my balance. And yeah, it is easy for me to say, because you know what I've seen, I've been through this twice. When I started in this career, it was right after the dot-com crash. Um, I've been through 2008, 2009. So yeah, it is easy for me to say, but it's because I pay close attention to this and I've seen it. So I think that people need to understand, because a lot of people we're hearing right now, well, Tom, I don't know if this is the time to do this. The market's at an all-time high. Why would I 
want to invest now? A very old personal family friend of ours told me, he was a, he's a retired police officer, and he said to me once, you know, when people ask me when's a good time to get in the market, I always tell them now. That has stuck with me for a long time because he's right. If you're going to be in this for the long term, five years or more, just don't worry about what the market's doing right now. Get yourself allocated and, and hang in there. Since 2000, I've been at five different companies, which is about normal. Yeah. And I've, so I've had five different 401ks. And so I have gone through peaks and I've gone through valleys with those things. All of them has followed me along. I'm sure you hear all the time, I just can't save and invest. What's your answer to that? Well, so back to another different Starbucks example. I was talking to a group of employees years ago and explaining they had this great company match. And I said, hey, this is a great plan. You you guys should do this. And there was a young lady sitting in the front and she had a tall Starbucks cup. And she actually said to me, you know, hey, look, I can't afford to save any money in this 401k plan. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. How much was that drink? And it was like five bucks or something at the time. And so I asked her, you know, well, how often do you buy that? Every day. You know, <laughs> she's talking to me like I was an idiot for even asking. And I said, well, think about that. That's $35 a week. You know, if you just went to Quick Trip or whatever and bought one for a dollar, I wasn't about to even right. try to say, make it at home. I didn't think that I'd get any progress there. <laughs> but, you know, there are little things when we say we can't afford to do something. A lot of times that's true. We can't afford to do it. But the reason we can't afford to save is because of the way we're behaving with our money somewhere else. We need to make those adjustments. I am not saying this is easy. It is not. And it is not comfortable. But the uncomfortableness that you're going to feel now by sacrificing to put something away will be far less brutal than how you're going to feel in retirement if you've spent your entire career saving nothing. So this gets into that financial wellness, right, that Annex Wealth Management offers as part of a retirement plan services. This is this is kind of that holistic thing. Absolutely. And it is not just a buzzword. This is important not only for us as workers and as you know, people who are tr- contributing to the economy. It's important for employers because as an employer, if you have a bunch of financially unwell employees, that is not good for productivity. Uh, people have to work longer because they haven't saved enough. Health insurance rates, things like that. Older workers who are less productive over time cost more money. It's a, a matter of how you feel. You know, People's attitude has a big impact on how they're dealing with your clients if you own a company. So there are a lot of reasons that financial wellness is not just a fad. It's really important. It's just a way that I think that our industry has finally figured out a way of quantifying this whole thing of where it used to be retirement readiness. And we've looked at why aren't people ready for retirement? Well, it's because they're doing this other stuff over here long before retirement that prevents them from getting there. So we do look at that holistically and we really try to help each person. I think that's one of the cool things about our team is we have all of our different teammates who will meet with employees one-on-one and then we're able to tailor that plan to that specific person. Are you married? Do you have kids? Do you have debt? All those things are going to factor into the advice that we give because it's not a one-size-fits-all solution for anyone other than to say, be responsible with your money and save some money for retirement. How much and all that, pre-tax Roth, All those are things that we like to talk to people about one-on-one to help them get there. Employers, this is the guy that can help you. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You know, I love talking about this stuff. I'll come back anytime. He will. It is 4.30. Let's do news. we got 30 minutes left in the show. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. Know the difference. Team. Technology. Trust. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. Here's Danny Clayton. 
And we're back. Annex Wealth Management Show, WHBY, Thursday, July 11th. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Get that free portfolio analysis when you hit that Get Started button. Mark Oswald is here. Deanne Phillips, our Director of Client Learning and Development, and our Director of Wealth Management Services, Mark Beck. Hey, Mark. Hi, Danny. How are you? Good. You're in neck of the woods, right? Uh, Kakana boy. Yeah, absolutely. Galloping ghost. Yeah, it's great. Good. And we've got a fantastic office, and I get to meet with, you know, Appleton and, and Kakana and Little Shoot folks um, every single time I get a chance to be in that office. And Things are great. That's cool. Good. What do you guys got going on? So I've got a, an idea here for a discussion uh, around mistakes that retirees make. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, you can Google like top 10 retirement tips and things like that. But sometimes you kind of have to flip it back around and say, after all these years of experience of helping people through retirement, what have we seen occasionally that come up kind of with some degree of consistency that we really work hard on helping coach clients through. Um, so Mark and Deanne, we're going to have a conversation about this. And the one I want to start off with really kind of relates to people as they think about their investments, especially right now, you know, you might be in a position where you're thinking, boy, the markets are, you know, setting new all-time highs and the S&P is over 3,000. And, you know, should, if I'm retiring, should I put all my money into, say, CDs or cash or something like that? And that's the number. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they're also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. One mistake I want to kind of spend a little bit of time talking about. You know, it's kind of funny because the psychology people is always really interesting to me when you start thinking about investor and investor behavior people are more afraid of making a mistake and doing something wrong than they are greedy people don't really need to live that lifestyle the big lifestyle right they just want to be conservative and have some peace of mind and so there's things that people can do Deanne right now as they get ready for retirement or as you're entering retirement that will help take that that fear away, right? That I'm going to make a big mistake and that I'm going to have to be over at the the shopping mall, you know, handing out carts on a Saturday morning trying to make some money. So what are those kind of things that people can do? And I think the first one, Mark, that you're teeing up is investing too conservatively. Back in our day, a lot of people would get to be age 65 and you'd move all your money into bonds and wait for the check to come on the 15th of the month every month. That's just not the way it works anymore. It was back in our parents' day, but but partially because Well, I'm a little older than you are. Not not much. Uh, Partially because because lifespans were a lot actuarially shorter back then. So people really did have those rocking chair retirements. They would retire at 65, live another five to seven years. Now we're talking 20 to 30 years where the money has to stretch out. And from a behavioral um, psychology and finance point of view, Mark, you're dead on. It, there's a seismic change in retirement where you go from having put away for your future for 40 years, right? We're told, put away, don't touch it, don't touch it, don't touch it. All of a sudden, you push that retirement button and you're told, touch it, pull that money out and use it now. So there is a psychological 
shift that has to happen. And there are certain planning strategies we can do around that shift. And I, and I think that's the really important part right there is how do we help people that are come to us with that mindset and think, boy, I've got to get really conservative because I don't have a long time frame anymore. So I want to put my money into CDs to help them understand that they do still have a long-term time frame. They just need to compartmentalize their investment portfolio so that they can make sure that the investments that are going to go through the volatility that the markets will bring over time can still be long-term. And the number one way to do that is to protect the short-term needs. What are the, what are the withdrawal needs to protect those in what we call a liquidity bucket or short-term investments? Right. So when we divide up our spending, we think about discretionary versus non-discretionary spending. So first off, carving out and, and really saying, what is it that I need for? Am I going into debt into retirement? Is there mortgage? Is there, you know, my living expenses, my gas, my, my food, my, what will I need? And then everything else is kind of that surplus. And think of how freeing it is if you know that you have cash flow coming in to meet those needs ongoing, regardless of what the stock market does. When you start thinking about radio being the theater of the mind, sometimes the imagery, it helps. When you start thinking about these buckets, right? So you think about three buckets sitting next to each other, and the first bucket being your short-term money. And a lot of the financial planning that we do to keep away from those mistakes or having a market event really impact your financial plan in the first couple of years of retirement is a Take those first 24 months or 36 months, depending on your risk tolerance, and really have it in very stable types of investments. Then you think about the second bucket next to that, that you start thinking about your five-year money, your three-year money, again, looking at your risk tolerance and saying, where do I want to invest that? And that spills over into the first bucket. So as you're taking that monthly paycheck out, you're always replenishing that first bucket. Then that last third bucket is your growth bucket. That's your long-term 20-year money, 30-year money. That's where you can be too conservative because if you're not getting enough dividends and capital appreciation in that bucket to fill the second bucket, to fill the first bucket, that can be the problem. I think in particular the capital appreciation bucket, that really is your stock bucket. Right, and that's the mistake I think right there is where people ignore that bucket and they put it all into that short-term bucket. That's a great portrayal, Mark. And you know, if you're listening today and you're thinking about your personal financial plan and how you're coordinating your investment portfolio, if you're coming up on retirement, think about that and think about what Mark just described with this bucket strategy. Make sure you don't make that mistake. Moving on, I want to talk about another one that kind of fits really closely into that. So not only thinking about from an investment perspective, of how we're going to compartmentalize our investment dollars so we can protect that long term, but also thinking about it in terms of withdrawal strategy. So I'm going to jump forward here to talking about tax mistakes, because I think this one's so critical. You have different types of money as you move into retirement. You have what we call a taxable account. That's your regular investment account where your principal comes back to you tax-free. But you pay capital gains tax or interest and dividends uh, as ordinary income on those things. And then you have your IRA assets. Every dollar you take out of your traditional IRA is taxable as ordinary income. And then you might have some Roth assets as well, all of it tax-free coming back to you. And not thinking about this properly in terms of sequencing out your tax liability over time and working proactively to basically streamline your tax aspect is a big mistake that we can see, basically pushing off my tax liability until it's too late. So, Deanne, I think this is something people should think about too, right? So distribution strategy, sequence of of events, using tax bracket maximization early in the years. For sure. Everything is a math question with financial planning, and everything about retirement is about the math. So not just saying distribution strategy, where should I pull from where it makes most logical sense, it's kind of the reverse 
reverse of saying, where should I put away? You know, if I'm earning more toward the end of my career, should I be putting in a Roth or should I be maximizing the shelter of doing the pre-tax? But it also depends upon the timing of when you retire, because there's an awful lot of milestones that happen between the age of retirement. Let's call it, you know, early 60s. And when that 70 and a half required minimum distribution happens during that period, there can be certain events that help maximize future taxation, like Roth conversion strategies that come into play, where you take some off of that IRA 401k bucket that would, where every dollar, as you say, would be taxed, and you convert it after you retire when potentially, if you haven't turned on Social Security and pension even more so, your tax bracket is much lower. You fill up the lowest tax bracket with those conversions. You know, the thing I would think for most people is it's not binary, and there's not one decision that is right for everybody. So we can't come on WHBY and say, take it out of your non-qualified or take it out of your IRA or do a Roth conversion. I think it goes to the idea of financial planning. You brought up the idea of bracket maximization. If you're if you're in a 15% tax bracket or a 0% tax bracket, you want to stay there. And you can stay there by looking at how much can I take out of my IRA or how much can I rever- convert in a Roth and still stay in that tax bracket without getting to the next marginal tax bracket. In doing so, you're doing that tax maximization. You're paying the least amount of money that you have to while still supporting your lifestyle. That's a planning piece and that's something that you want to sit down with a, a qualified fiduciary financial planner and go through because there are strategies that you can do that is going to maximize your paycheck and minimize your tax liability to the government and still being able to get to your financial goals. That's right. So, Marks, here's a mistake that I often see as a CFP. People come to us and they think, well, I've retired. I need to turn on Social Security and my pension immediately. So they they think they have to begin that process right away without doing that math, because obviously that impacts their tax. Right. Social Security strategy planning, I think, would be another one of these mistakes we could layer in there, right? And sometimes it's getting way too anxious about where my money is going to come from. So feeling that they have to turn on Social Security so they've got some income coming in, missing the tax planning opportunity that might be part of delaying Social Security. I always call this the window of opportunity. The day you retire, now you have control until you get to age 70 and a half where you lose control again. 70 and a half, you lose control because of required minimum distributions. But in between there, you get to control income and make sure you put some of that income tax liability in the low tax brackets. How about people, guys, that that you sit down with in our Appleton office that that get to retirement and say, all right, it's time. We're going to spend everything right now. I mean, we're going to go buy a boat and we're going to Europe and, you know, we're going to put all this money into the house or whatever. Can you spend too much in the first couple yeah. of years of retirement? You yeah, bet. that gets shocking sometimes, right? It That's- really does. So, you know, we think when we replace our time that we're working with our leisure time, usually that time equals money. And so we think about this whole bucket list of things that we've put off that we want to do. And a lot of times they are more expensive, the trips, the purchases. So this is where that discretionary bucket, you know, is really important because behavioral finance will tell us if we've carved out, let's say $10,000 a year for travel for 10 years, and the market does like what it does last December 24th when it tanks, and I've just retired then, maybe I don't take that $10,000 vacation next year. But I'm not stressed if I know where all of my have-to-haves from spending are coming from. If that cash bucket is protected, then I feel okay. Think about market spending. recovery. Yeah, 
think about spending. That's that's the fun kind of spending. Exactly. How, what about health care? I mean, that's the other piece of this for people in, who are getting to retirement. For a lot of people are saying, how do I get to retirement? How do I pay for health care? Yeah, people are a lot more aware of that than they were even, like, say, 10 years ago, which I think is a really good thing. People are being, you know, taking the initiative to be much more educated about what Medicare is going to look like and what it might look like in the gap if they're going to retire early. Um, but making sure that that is part of the financial plan is absolutely critical. Where are you going to get your health care from? How much is it going to cost you? In those years prior to Medicare, it's going to be expensive. Make sure you're prepared for that. So that's why we really need a planner to take a look at all of this and see that time before retirement. How are you going to cover, especially if you're going to retire before you're 65, right? You've got that potential health care bridge you have to get. Where is it going to come from? Will it come from COBRA? Will it come from a spouse or domestic partner's health care benefits? Will it come from the exchange? All those need to be weighed and looked at. Again, it comes down to math. Yeah, and we're, you know, we're, you, we're uniquely qualified here at Annex to help with these kinds of things because we bring together not just the financial planners, but also the tax planners, people that have expertise in health insurance and Medicare and Medicare supplements and things like that. So to cover the wide spectrum of comprehensive wealth management, we go well beyond that by bringing the team to the table. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. You work too hard to not have a plan. Today's a great day to start. You're listening to the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. Here's your host, Danny Clayton. Know the difference? Team Tech Trust, another team segment. Welcome back, Jason Gadir. How are you doing today, Danny? Not bad. Okay, you're a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. You also have decades of experience as law enforcement officer. You got expertise in government and public sector employees. Kind of nice, kind of nice to speak that language. Yeah, it's nice to work with your own people, work with policemen, firemen, teachers, public safety workers, city employees, whatnot, whether they're federal, state, or local. Yeah, you don't need that translator, right? Yeah, it makes it a lot easier because it is a little bit more complex. You probably spend a fair amount of time with clients who are in the Wisconsin retirement system, call it the WRS. Quick explanation of that system. That is our pension fund, right? Yeah, it's a pension fund for most state employees when there's quite a few state employees with the university system and most school districts are part of it, most cities, towns. I think there's like 250,000 people that are currently in Wisconsin retirement system as participants, plus annuitants on top of that. A recent Wall Street Journal headline caught your eye and it was... New Jersey needs a pension fix. So in the article, New Jersey government officials say the pension system is in a crisis. And that's a quote. And that's a pretty scary statement. New Jersey is obviously in a crisis. There's other states are, you know, our neighbors to the south in Illinois have some unfunded pension liabilities. And that is detrimental to those people that are counting on that income in retirement. Luckily, here in Wisconsin, it's a fully funded pension, one of the best run in the country, one of the original pension systems, actually. But it's just one part of your financial plan. Most major public pensions in the United States, they've got an average of 74 cents on hand for every dollar of promised benefits. For New Jersey, it's 43 cents. Do we know our number offhand? Yeah, we're at a, you know, Wisconsin retirement system is 100% funded. And part of it is the design of the Wisconsin retirement system. It's not a promise. There's no COLAs built, built in, which is cost of living adjustment, like some states. It's based upon how the fund does, how the core fund does, how the variable does. So if it does well, the annuitants, the retirees will get an increase. If it performs poorly due to, you know, stock markets or economic indicators, sometimes they actually get a reduction. Here's one of the changes across the country, not here, at least 11 major 
public plans since 08 have made changes tying at least part of that retirement benefit to market performance. And that is according to the National Association of State Retirement Administrators. And there's a bunch. It's Rhode Island, Tennessee, Utah, Connecticut, Arizona, Kentucky. They're shifting they're risk. Mostly new hires to risk sharing plans. Now, is that a bad thing? It's not a bad thing for those states if you're an employee in those states. Because if you're relying upon this pension and they're mismanaging it, usually by not funding it, you know, they have this obligation to put money in. They keep kicking the can down the road and saying, well, we'll figure it out down the road while they're building in cost of living. And eventually they're so underfunded, the music's going to stop and someone's not going to have a chair, right? Probably the employees. So in a state like Wisconsin where it's fully funded, we don't have to worry about that. But if you're in one of those states, you probably want to go to a 401k type plan. So at least the money's in that account. You can see it. You can control it. And, you know, you can count on it. Now, here in Wisconsin, just because we have a fully funded pension doesn't mean you shouldn't consider saving those deferred comp vehicles, your 457 plan or your Roth and individual retirement account, because that'll supplement what the pension doesn't um, replace. You must tell that to clients all the time. Listen, this is good, but it's not everything you need. Yep. It's a three-legged stool. You got your pension. You got Social Security, and then you got your retirement savings, right? Well, we know pensions in the private sector, they're less and less frequent, right? So now you have a two-legged stool, really, Social Security and your own retirement savings. And then some people obviously are a little concerned about that Social Security leg, that if it's a little bit wobbly and, you know, is there going to be changes in the next decade or two on the retirement benefit? So you want to really make that third leg, your own retirement savings, strong to basically protect you from any changes. The term risk sharing kind of struck me. And some people don't like risk and others are fine because they understand that sometimes when you take a little bit more risk, you sometimes have better returns. And we run our clients through this risk analysis. That's part of what we do. Yeah, we use, you know, complex software, which basically sits down and gives you, depending on which model, which type of portfolio the client is in or is looking to be in, it'll say how much potential volatility you're going to see, how much swings in prices, both to the good and the downside, and what they're comfortable with. You have to have a a number you're comfortable with in retirement, and that's going to change over time. Maybe when you're in your 30s, you're going to be more aggressive, and maybe even early in retirement. A lot of people retire from government work. They retire from government work, but they don't retire from working. A lot of government employees, policemen and firemen in, in particular, because they retire earlier than most people, will take on another job. So while you retire from that job, you're still working. So maybe you still want to be a little bit, have some risk out there and not put it all in a, a stable value fund at age 50 for the next 30 years, which some people may do because they're not sure what to do. So you're busy. You're doing law enforcement and you're also doing wealth management as well. But I do think people listening right now are looking for somebody that speaks their language. So your phone rings, right? Correct. Here at Annex, obviously, we have a team environment. And one of my specialties is working with government employees. So people come in here and they have pensions. Matter of fact, um, one of the other advisors just before we sat down here uh, was looking over a federal retirement benefit and just kind of got my opinion on it just to kind of clear up some things. Obviously, if we have government employees come in our office, sit down, we'll see if we're a good fit. Jason Gadera is the guy. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Danny. And that Jason is uh, yeah definitely part of our team. And if you uh, work in that line, uh, if you're a government employee, we certainly can help. You can start at AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. 454 as we uh, slowly begin to approach the airport and Tray tables yeah. are coming up, and we're, we're going to bring this in for a landing. This is our first show of July. Um, we were off for the fourth uh, a week ago, but we do want to cover the fact that we're kind of proud about something, and that has been being named to the 2019 edition of Financial Times, which is a prestigious uh, publication. Yep. Financial Times 300 Top Registered Investment Advisors, our fourth time. 
It is, and you, you know, you get humbled by these kinds of things because we can come on WHBY every Thursday afternoon and kind of beat our chest a little bit and talk about how we're different and and you know why we think that uh, using a fiduciary financial planner is important. When you get these validations, when you get third-party companies like the Financial Times or Barron's, for instance, which we're also a member of, to say that that they endorse you to a certain extent by putting you on a list like this, a prestigious list like this, it means something. And, and we're humbled by it because, you know, this is something where it's an independent analysis. We didn't pay to be on this list. This is not a piece of advertising. This is an analysis of us based on our growth, based on our size, based on our compliance record, based on a number of different factors. And we came out as one of the only four in the state of Wisconsin and, you know, one of 300 in the country uh, representing 37 states. And when you get that kind of a, a, a sense of pride in the fact that our clients who have trusted us with their financial goals, have trusted us with their money, now coming up on $2.3 billion in client assets that we manage, you know, it's, you're humbled by it, and we certainly are, and uh, we thank the Financial Times for including us. For sure. <clears throat> and if that is your money that we're talking about, and you talked about this earlier in the show, where people are more afraid to make a mistake than they are to be greedy, because I guess, you know, we could discuss that, but... but I guess that's what I don't want to get. As I get close to the finish line, I think I've done a pretty good job. I just sometimes need I need that reassurance that, that, that I'm on the right path, but I need somebody to help get over the finish line. And if that's you folks, that's what we're here for. You know, it's really funny because when you ask investors, you know, what kind of rate of return are you comfortable getting? You know, we, when you ask professionals like us, you know, back in, back in the day they would say, what do you think investors want to get in terms of return? And when it used to just be stockbrokers, they'd say, oh, they need 12%, 13%. You ask people and they say 5 or 6%, as long as I get that every year, I feel pretty comfortable. So I, it's really interesting, the psychology of people. And I think for most people here in the Valley, having lived here, you know, the fact is, is that most people just want to have a comfortable retirement. And, and I think that that is the approach that most people have, not hitting home runs all the time. It's the Rob Deere mentality is right. what I always said. You know, you, you can strike out 300 times, but you, you hit some home runs. People hit singles and get there and get there and get there with their financial plan. But I think one of the differences with Annex is what we bring with our team. We've got the tax department. We've got the planning department. We've got the estate department. And it's all under under this umbrella. And, and it's all for you know one comprehensive fee, so you don't have these ad hoc fees where you know, you have these, you know, this this Chinese menu of things that you're going to go through, and all of a sudden we're going to send you another bill. Right. Right. I mean, you're you're going to say this is what I want to pay a fiduciary advisor, and you get all of those things for the one single fee. If that is clicking with you, if our values sound like your values, and we sure hope they do, you can start today at AnnexWealth.com. Talk to you in a week. This has been the Annex Wealth Management Show, WHBY. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.